Jesus, the Son of God, came to earth and dwelt among us. What was his life like here on earth? How did the Savior live his final days before his crucifixion? A day that changed the world forever. Join us on the Struggles We Grow From podcast as we look at the life of Jesus. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. John 3, 12 and 13. Hey guys, welcome back. It is Sydney and Austin here, and we are so excited. We're continuing on with our current mini-series called Jesus. Yeah, I'm very excited, as we always are, but I say let's just go ahead and dive into it. All right, let's go. So, Sydney, what are we talking about? So, today we are going to be looking at chapter 3 in the book of John And this is a longer one than the ones that we've done because we are looking at verses 1 through 15. And I know this is a big chunk. And sorry if you heard just a little yawn. We have a little one up here. She's just going to sleep. It is late, but we have a couch in our podcast room. And she just wants to be really close to mommy and daddy right now. She's in that stage. So she's just... We're making it work. Yep. All right. So... We're going to be looking at verses 1 through 15 in John chapter 3. And don't worry if you are driving right now or you just don't have a Bible handy or you can't look at your phone for some reason, we will be reading this scripture for you. But we're going to be taking it chunks at a time, Mm. okay? So we are going to start with verse 1, and I'm going to begin to read for us. And just to remind you, if this is your first time ever listening to us, I highly recommend you to just pause where you are and go back to the introduction of this Jesus series so that you can follow along in the series as we're doing it. But basically, this the whole purpose of this series is to look at Jesus's life here on earth and look at his days leading up to his crucifixion, which we will do when we are leading up the week of Easter, which is next week. Now, are there other books of the Bible besides John that cover the gospel and cover Jesus and his life on earth? Yes. And I highly recommend you, Austin and I say this all the time, we are not the end-all be-all. We are not (laughs) super smart theologians by any means. So it would be really cool for you, if you read the book of John, you can cross you know, reference it with Matthew, Mark, Luke, like do that. That's really good. And then like we mentioned last time, commentaries and different things like that to help you study books of the Bible are amazing. So anyway, let's jump in starting with verse one. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, We know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. And Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless one is born of water and the Spirit, 
he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. All right, that was verses 1 through 8. We're going to stop right there and kind of talk about this first part. So Nicodemus, it says he's a ruler of the Jews, but it also says in verse 2 that he came to Jesus by night. Does that have any significance to it? Yeah, so I would say yes, because it can point to a couple different things. Usually at night in this day and time, they didn't have streetlights like we do. So at night, you were usually at home and it wasn't well lit. So if people were going out or doing business at night, it's probably not something that they want to be seen doing. So that's very important. And number two, so that's kind of one thought. And then number two, this could be a moment where the the whole, really the whole gospel intersects in these moments where Jesus is reclining and having food and drink with people and being super relational. This could also be a reference to it being later at dinner and Jesus is actually breaking bread with Nicodemus. Now, most people... I would probably lean this way. Usually the the thing that we all come towards is this was under cover of night. It was probably late. And Nicodemus being a Pharisee, being someone of authority and power in the religious system of Judaism, didn't want to be seen hanging out with Jesus because Jesus really does kind of come after the Pharisaic teachings. Right, because they were so religious. Okay, and so then he asks him, basically, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one could do the signs, you know, that you are doing unless he was sent by God or unless God Mm -hmm. is with him. So in his mind, he is not thinking that this is the Son of God. Mm -hmm. He's just thinking that he's a teacher who has some cool teachings, wise sayings, whatever. Cool powers. Right, and that, oh, God just must really like you because you're able to do these things. Yeah. Well, that's one of the biggest things that's still up for debate in some people's minds about Jesus is that he was just a teacher. But we know, because what Scripture really points out, John does a really good job at laying out that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and that the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and then the Word being Jesus, dwelt, lived, died, and arose, and that's our gospel. So what Nicodemus is believing, what probably many of the Pharisees believed at that point in time that wouldn't have come forward, is Jesus is definitely sent from God because he's doing miraculous things. He's not contradicting in their mind what the Torah would have said or what the law would have said. So they realize that this guy is sent from God. And what's interesting is you, if you take this moment and then you fast forward to the end of Jesus's life when he's on trial and he's getting asked question after question after question after he's been arrested, they immediately jump to, well, you, you must be Beelzebub. You must have the devil in you. You must be the son of Satan. But what we see right here is in a public setting, that is their assumption of Jesus. 
But right here we see that there were people who genuinely saw that Christ was with God. Like there was some relationship, there was some connection with God that they didn't have. And so then Jesus's response is, you know, he says this, this phrase of being born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God, you cannot go to heaven, you cannot be with God again, unless you are born again. And this puzzles him, you know, Mm -hmm. Jesus saying things, he's like, what? And Nicodemus is like, how can an old person be born again? How can he go back up in his mother's womb and come out again? And then Jesus is trying to to make him understand. Jesus was always like, he never just said things the way that sometimes, mm. sometimes he said things like the way that they were and like, you know, what you'd call like plain people talk, you know, like whatever. Or PPT. Plain people yeah. Talk. Yeah. But like, you know, he said things in such a way that made you kind of puzzle and, and stop for a minute. And that kind of goes to show too, like Jesus was never in a big hurry. Mm-hmm. He just took his time. There was yeah. no rush. There was no hurry. So it was okay that you stopped for a second. And that probably might have been the, the reason, one of the reasons why I like to think to make people stop and think about that. But what would you say about that? The reason why this is so important as we are in the Jesus series and it's worth talking about because this is really the moment where Jesus began his teaching. This is like the first recorded really important teaching that John covers in his gospel. And what it really does is it sets almost like this theme of how Jesus teaches. He doesn't teach in the traditional sense. He teaches in a way that causes us, he provokes a question that causes us to have an incorrect response because we are fallen, because we are unable to understand the things of the Spirit when we are still dead. He really gets at almost this underlying, really, message in what he's saying. And what's cool is every time that he teaches like this, the more that he begins to reveal and make clear the message, the more that you get to understand Jesus in a richer way. So he's really kind of exposing the heart of the Father through this. Not that the heart of the Father wants to be tricky or give us riddles. We're not talking about the Riddler. What we are talking about is that it's more than just what you think. Mm -hmm. What Jesus is getting at is more than just what you assume. And that's the theme in most of his teachings, is it's not just what your gut, your first instinct is. It's not coming out of your mother's womb again. And this dude would have been an old man. So to even make that joke, think about it. He's a grown butt man. (laughs) And he's making a joke. That's what that is. That's not a hee-hee-ha. Like, that's not, that's like, Jesus, and you're he probably, like, you know, a lot of people use humor to like deflect yep. that they feel dumb or that they don't understand something. And you have to think too, like he was a Pharisee, he was a ruler. So he had to have had this standing among people that mm-hmm. he was probably very smart, very book smart. But in this instance, he doesn't understand something. Yep. And so this could be, I'm not saying this is like what he did, but he could be kind of like deflecting 
in this moment to not shed this light on, oh, I feel kind of dumb right now because I don't understand what you're saying. Absolutely. Here I am, a Pharisee of Pharisees. Here I am, a head leader in the Jewish people. I should know the law. I should be about the law. And here comes this guy that I, I believe has some connection with God that knows something that I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another thing to just point out here is there are several people in the world that can say, you know, God's not going to send anybody to hell. He loves everybody. You know, he's going to love you. You're going to get to go to heaven. You're going to get to be with him again. And that's not true. That is not true. And it, he's Jesus himself is literally saying, unless you're born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. Yeah. And one of the things that probably Nicodemus got confused about in this moment is when, like, the literal, like, word translation that we get from John is born from above. That's what, like, you must be born again. It's talking about being born from above. But what's interesting is that even that, hey, you have to be born from above, Nicodemus didn't understand that. He couldn't understand that truth. And he put it in his own context of, well, he's talking about a second time. He's talking about being born Mm -hmm. a second time. And Jesus is talking about being born from above. And you see that really, I'm, I'm skipping, I'm sorry. But really, when you get into verse 12, there's this parallel between heavenly things and earthly things. Okay. And another thing to point out, as we're going on, he's answering Nicodemus by trying to get him to understand what he meant when he said, you must be born again. And he's saying that you must be born of the flesh, but you also must be born of the spirit. And he's saying, you know, do not marvel at just where where I said you must be born again. Like, don't just focus on that. You know, get the bigger picture here. Like, I feel like it's what, you know, read, try to understand what I'm saying. And so what that means is, is that you must be born of water. You must be born from your mother's womb in the flesh. But you also must be born of the Spirit. And I know at our church, our pastor has talked to us during this like Heaven and Hell series that he did a lot about what it meant for us to, to have this, um, this heavenly spirit, like the soul that's a part of us, but we're also human. Do you want to explain that? Yeah. So it's really diving into the reality that it's not just, hey, you are a physical being, but you are a physical and a spiritual being, meaning that we were made in the likeness of God. So our physical likeness was made in the likeness, which is the word who would be made flesh. Remember, God is outside of time. So we have a physical likeness, and then we also have a spiritual likeness. Now, this likeness is a lesser, so we are not on the same playing field as God. Uh, He is in uh, the galactic major league, and we're in peewee football. Like there's a huge gap, but we are made in his likeness. So we have physical body, and then we have a spirit, a soul. Ruah is really the, the Hebrew word for what God breathed into Adam, is the very spirit of God. So that's kind of where we're where she's getting the, hey, you, you've got to have physical, and then you also have the spiritual Now, we all know that sin caused the spiritual death. So there's no way for us to be alive in the spirit to be reconnected back with God 
without sacrifice, without atonement. And that's leading up to Jesus. And it's so cool that Sidney pointed this out because that is one of the interpretations of this section of Jesus is saying, you've got to have a physical birth. You have to be a born, you have to be alive. And then you also have to be born of the spirit. There has to be uh, the, the born from above. You have to have that spiritual reconnection to God through Christ Jesus, which is absolutely like, that's a very prominent viewpoint on this. Another viewpoint that a lot of people go through when Jesus is talking about water and he's talking about spirit is he's really talking about a lot of the Old Testament passage where it uses water and spirit, where they're kind of linked to experience the pouring out of God's spirit in the end times and the purification of new life that comes from those who are awaiting the Messiah. So we kind of get that. Those are kind of linked through through or Isaiah 32, 15, and then 44, 3, and then also Ezekiel 36, 25 through 27. That image of water and spirit isn't anything new. So regardless of how you interpret this passage, water and spirit goes all the way back to the Old Testament. It has a significant meaning for the Jewish people. It does mean that you're born. It does mean that you have a spirit. It talks about God's spirit. So when Jesus said you have to be born of water in the spirit, Nicodemus being a leader in Israel of the people of God's, God's chosen people at this point in time, he would have known exactly what Jesus said when he said you had to be born of water and spirit. Now, the thing is that we don't really know what that is. We don't know exactly what that would have been, how Nicodemus would have interpreted that. Maybe they had water births back then. I don't even know where to go from here. But yes, they could have had water births back then. But those are kind of two prominent viewpoints on what does it mean to be born of water and of spirit. All right. You want to keep reading through nine? Sure. All right. So let's jump into verse 9. There's a lot to cover in this. There's a lot of things that we could probably sit here and say forever, but we're going to keep going. <laughs> so Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel? And yet you do not understand these things. Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Hmm. It's funny, we just talked about earlier that Nicodemus probably felt a little dumb, maybe embarrassed. At the beginning, he did not understand what Jesus was saying. And literally right here, it's almost as if Jesus is really humbling him (laughs) in this moment. And this is one of those times where you can either choose to be humbled Mm -hmm. or you can choose to like talk back. You know what I'm saying? Or get an attitude back. And we haven't read a response from Nicodemus in this in this portion. 
But how would you react to that situation? You know, if think about at your workplace or something, like, or as a teacher or whatever, and they're like, you're the so-and-so and and you don't understand what I'm saying. You know, it's like. Yeah. There's literally so much here to where it makes me think that we might need to do. A second part. A second part. A second part to a part. Yeah. It's a part of a part. Welcome back to the part of the part of the part that we didn't cover the last time we had a part. Okay. So you want to deposit here? Yeah, we're going to have We got a cliffhanger. Okay. Well, cliffhang. Meet us back here for our next episode where we dive into this part of scripture. Do not miss it because... Jesus says a lot here, and I can't wait to dive into this with you. I'm excited. So we'll see you back here next time. See you. Bye.